So we're going to be looking at life-giving disciplines for the next uh, month. Hallelujah. Everybody say life-giving disciplines. We've had a season of feasting. Has anybody been feasting? And it's been a, a corporate celebration time. It's been where you meet with people and you have a good time and uh, everybody pulls out their best dessert options and uh, encourage you to try. And they're thinking of you and they're bringing love to you on the platter. And some of you have special recipes that I think those will be, you'll probably be called upon in heaven to cook those up. And um, I was eating a warm cookie one day, the Young Life meeting. I wasn't going to eat one, you know, but Monty brought it over. And it had ice cream melting on the top of it. It's like, I looked at it, I said, oh my gosh, you know. And I looked up at uh, the head of Young Life over the, the state, Scott, and I said, can life get better? I submit, it cannot. I said, I wonder if we're going to have this. I bet that's heaven. Probably it's not heaven without this melt. This. And I felt like the Lord said, it'll be there. <laughs> Just a little, little quickening, you know, like the Lord says, the Lord is full of joy. Just say that with joy. See, so we've had this season of feasting and enjoying the presence of the Lord and one another and doing those things. And then we step across this into the new year. And it's just appropriate to think in terms of personal disciplines. Now, some people, they'll write down a list of, uh, you know, the things they're going to try to accomplish. But we'll just, we want to just go ahead and say, Lord, we want to knit our hearts to you. I just had this thought this morning. I don't bring a stitch of any kind of righteousness to this walk. Everything I have, the robe that Jesus has put on me, is completely his. I didn't have anything to do with it except just surrender and say, help, I'm a mess. And when you see Apostle Paul say later in life, you know, later in life, he's like, he's, I love that progression of things where he, in one letter, he says he's the, he's the least of the, the saints, you know, and uh, then, he's, then he's least of the apostles. A couple of years later, he writes another one. And then later he says, I'm the chief of sinners. The further you walk along with Jesus, the, realize you, the more you realize how beautifully perfect and, and glorious and loving and uh, gracious, gracious, how gracious he is. And if we could just aspire, and that's the whole point of, of our lives. Our lives are, are to be a reflection of who Jesus Christ is. I'm going to talk about knowing the power of forgiveness. Now, we're going to talk during this month knowing the power of prayer and fasting. We're going to talk about knowing the power of giving and knowing the power of faith in God's Word. But just go ahead and put this up. Father God's eternal goal is to have a family fulfilled in His love, living in the life-giving relationship with Him given to us through Jesus Christ. Just read it with me. Father God's eternal goal is to have a family fulfilled in His love, living in the life-giving relationship with Him, given to us through Jesus Christ. That's, that's His heart. In essence, 
uh, his heart is to populate heaven with sons and daughters who, who are like Jesus, both in character and capacity. The, you know, Jesus stripped down to just being a, a, literally, he was sinless, but he set aside all the privileges of actually being God. And what he did is he submitted himself 100% to the will of the Father. He's the only person in the history of mankind lived for the completely for the will of another person. And then he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. He didn't do it out of his... But, and it says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Jesus, as a man, was, was sinless. He had to be sinless to be the sacrifice for us. He couldn't be sin, full of sin. But he was the one person that could actually come and die in our place for us. And he just praise him. Praise God. God did this. He set aside everything to do with his ability to be God and then modeled for us. It's literally modeling for us. He's the firstborn of all, of many brethren. And Father God gives us the right and the power within us to be conformed. Everybody say conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So the transformation of our nature is through the impartation of his new nature. The transformation of our nature is through the impartation of his new nature within us by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Everybody say, I got a new nature. Okay, now look, now here, here's the thing. He doesn't leave you to try to do it all on your own. In fact, you will discover you can't. You'll discover that you, you'll begin to learn the secret of surrender. I used to say it doesn't matter, matter how many monuments you build to your build to your self-will, they'll all crumble. You can't even fight sin well. You can surrender to the one who's conquered it, though. How many of you really stink at being very righteous at all? Hey, look, I know I did, I'm undeserving, and I'm blown away by the beauty of how God attends what we're doing. It's just so gracious, so gracious. He's just so good. So the Bible calls this the newness of life in Christ. Bible calls this noon. Everybody say newness of life in Christ. Now, see, it wasn't until about three, four hundred years later, three hundred seventy years later, that the cross became the focus of Christianity. It wasn't what the early disciples they didn't look at the cross. They looked at the newness of life through the resurrection. What they were living in was the resurrection power. That there's a life beyond this life. There's a life that from this life gives us power to live in this life. Beyond this life empowers this one. It's called eternal life. It's called abundant life. It's the fulfilling life that you learn to live in. You learn to live in it. Everybody say learn. You learn to live in it. You learn to live in it. Look, it's broad, broad, destructive way. Uh, to, that leads to uh, what the broad way leads to death, you know, but the narrow way leads to eternal life. I wanted to, Jesus look, tells us, you know, Jesus doesn't hit around. He, he hits reality right in front in the face. Boom. Put up this uh, verse. Luke 9, 24 and 25. This is how Jesus calls it. For whoever would save his life will lose it. He doesn't mince words, does he? You're going to try to save your life, guess what? You're going to lose it. You're going to lose your life if you try to save it. All your efforts going into you doing it, you doing it, you doing it. Guess what? It won't work because he said so. It just doesn't work that way. But he says, but if whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll, we'll, they'll find it. 
will save it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses and forfeits himself? And Jesus even illustrated this himself by dying to his own earthly or fleshly life. As I said, uh, learning obedience to what he suffered. John 12, 24 and 25 says it this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is literally saying when the Greeks came, hey, we want to hear about what you have to do. And he goes, basically, it's time for me to go and die now. So he's, he responds with this. A grain of wheat is going to go into the ground and die. But he's, then he, look, look how he follows this up. He says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I thought that was kind of strong language. Hates his life in this world. I have my Bible over here. I want to show you something. Um, and you say, Pastor, I thought you said we we're going to talk about the power of forgiveness. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. This is still the introduction, okay? No, but it's, it's almost over, though. Hey, come on. I just felt, you know, you sit down and you start to work on something, and the, the Lord goes, no, we're heading this way. Okay. Now, there's a contrast of two cities in the Bible, in the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation, verse this, uh, both chapters 18, you have a system, the world system, and it's this. Let me just read just one little verse, but you can get out Revelation 18. I'm going to show you this. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory, and he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt of every unclean bird, a haunt of every unclean detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. You can see this more clearly today than ever. There's a verse in here that talks about the merchandising of the souls of men. I hate even the hearing about that. But that goes on today. But it's contrasted. It's contrasted with another city. It's contrasted with Revelation chapter 21 and 22. I'm not going to read it all, but it's basically this. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. There's another city. There's another city. There's another city. This is not all there is. This is not it. There's a hope beyond here. Now, the last question in the Bible... The very last question in the Bible is in chapter 18. It says, What city is like the great city? 
the people who live in this realm only have no other options. They're not like you and me. They don't have a Savior. They're looking to this system, this world system, to give them what they got. And the very last question in the book of Revelation, in the book, in the whole Bible, is what city is like this great city? And the, the judgment has come against it, and it's burning up. And basically this comes out of a sense of woe where the merchants on the ships are seeing the world being destroyed. And they're going, what city was like this great city? And I looked at that and I thought, that's the last question in the Bible. Do you know what the first question in the Bible was? The first question in the Bible was the serpent that said, did God actually say you couldn't eat of any of the trees in the garden? He threw a curveball. And he intrigued the woman and she said, well, he said that we couldn't eat from this one or touch this. Well, surely you'll become like God's. He's holding out on you. But then there's a second question. What's the second question in the Bible? Where are you? Where are you? I want to submit to you today that the people who are asking the last question, what city is like the great city? are the people who've never answered the second question, where are you? Because they haven't come to Jesus. They're building their whole life on something that's passing away, something that's going by the boards. Don't get caught up in this system. Come on, somebody. Don't let this system fool you, deceive you, fake you out, promise you, we have another system entirely. It's called the kingdom of the living God. And we walk with the Lord in His kingdom. We have a king that rules over our lives. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But we need to understand and walk in that and don't be bamboozled and hornswoggled and whatever. Don't act like a thrice-struck ninny hammer when it comes to all the information that comes. You like those terms, don't you? Don't be a bobblehead. Have your heart set on Jesus Christ. The Lord was said, uh, it says, uh, he was proud. It says, if they had, this is Hebrews 11, 15, 16. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out of, they would have the opportunity to return. But it, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city so Jesus has called us to be his and he's prepared a dwelling place and father God will be there in person and this is I just felt like the Lord was putting on this my heart this morning to say before you talk about forgiveness talk about the big picture and the big picture is this. There's this love between the Father and the Son. And He wants to put you in the middle of it. And He wants you to just be flooded with His love and be built up in His love and to know His love and to enjoy His love and to live in His love and to be fulfilled in His love. That is what it's about. Jesus, that's why He said, Hey guys, love one another. This is the new commandment. 
Tap into what I've been pouring out on you. I love these moments. Now we're going, now we're going to go. That's the all, the, all the introduction. Okay. Now we're going to the message. Somebody said, well, is he going to pray or anything? Oh, yeah, okay, we can do that. Let's lift our hearts to the Lord as we step into this. Father God, I thank you for every precious heart in this room. Lord, some come in today and their hearts have arrows in them. And in your presence, you have been working at removing those arrows from the hearts of those who've been wounded. You are so loving and so caring and so deeply cherishing of each heart here, the core and central part of each of us. I'm going to prophesy now because I feel like the Lord is saying, you are going to step up this year into new places that you were not able to walk in. The Lord is giving you a capacity to be more than you ever thought you could by his power and his strength and his heart. You will begin receiving. There's a, there's a blockage, a construct, a mental baggage or some kind of a hindrance, and the Lord is breaking through that. Let's go ahead and thank him for that. The Lord is breaking through where you have been stuck. The Lord is breaking through where you have been held back. The Lord is breaking through and bringing you into a new place of authority. Listen, oh man, this is real. This is so real. The Lord is saying, you have been faithful. Listen, you don't get promotion without a wilderness. You don't get, a, you don't get to go into the new thing without having been purged in the old thing. There are some things that just haven't come to pass, but the Lord is saying, ah, you've been proven now. I'm going to release something, something that you can carry and walk in that will be much a blessing to you and a greater capacity of my life for others who are around you. He's going to do this and work this in us. Let's praise him some more. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your promises. When we show up, you know what's in our hearts. You know what we have need of. You know everything. And Lord, we know we don't feel that we've been victorious. We don't feel all that. But Lord, we thank you that you don't grade us on the basis of how we grade ourselves. You look at how we've clung to you. And Lord, we've been clinging, half of us half-heartedly, but you said, hang on, baby, the ride's not over yet. We're going to go through, and we praise you, Lord. Some of you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and you're coming out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you have been faithful in handling what God's told you about, and he's ready to release more. Let's praise the Lord. He's going to give us more. You're faithful, you're faithful, you're faithful. Be a faithful person. If there's anything, walk with Jesus, with him, and with him let his faithfulness grow inside of you. You've said no. There's been some of you, the world has said, hey, come here, and you said no, not anymore. And even if you stumbled a few times, the Lord says, I see that you're really turning from those things that have a haunt to your soul because you're sick and tired of Babylon. You're sick and tired of the lie and the, just all the junk of this realm. The Lord says, I want you telling the Lord, I want to walk with you in the new things you have. Don't be complacent. Don't ever be complacent. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord just dropped in some uh, edification here. And we're doing great. This is going to, we're going to end up right at the Lord's table just in time. Hallelujah. Luke 5, 17 through 26. I'm going to read it. One, on one of those days, he was teaching 
that he was teaching, Pharisees, teachers of the law, were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and from Jerusalem. Okay, get the picture. All of the narcissists of the day, the scoffers, the insolent, arrogant religionists who hated Jesus' guts were sitting there because he had a power they'd never seen. And they were intrigued, but they were certain to yell, crucify him, crucify him when the day came. They weren't going to change. Only a handful would be plucked out of that group. They hated him. They hated him because they were so insecure about who they really were. And the Bible says, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. I love those verses. The power of the Lord. The power of the Lord was with, with Jesus to heal when that lady with the issue of blood ran up and nobody even saw her and just grabbed on her and the power came out and healed her. The power of the Lord would come. Don't you glad when the presence of the Lord comes strongly in here and suddenly he's here to heal and things begin to happen. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. He wants, he wants to do the same thing through me and you that he did when he was on the earth. I remember one time we were sitting in, uh, I was getting my hair cut, and um, we were talking about going to a cleansing stream retreat in uh, Greensburg, and there were a lot of people coming, and this is just a moment I have with God, uh, to have a successful cleansing stream retreat, you know, usually you have one anointer, a lot of intercessors, but one anointer per about six people. Because the time goes by and the categories of different categories of people praying for and people gaining freedom from those things. Aren't you glad, by the way, that even though we don't have the cleansing stream retreats, we have the same spirit of freedom that happens every Sunday. And so what happened is uh, we were looking up the uh, numbers and the numbers were not 1 to 6, but the ratio was 1 to 18. And we thought, oh, this is going to drag on and drag on. And I looked at, and the Lord spoke to me right then. He said to me right there, Hey, Roger, it reminds me of when I was on the earth. The ratios were off then, too. The Spirit of the Lord was present to heal. He first, He gave that anointing to 12, and then the 70, and then when, you know, they, it grew and grew. How many of you just say, I want to receive all the anointing that Jesus has for me to do the work of the ministry? The anointing is to do two things, to be like him and to do like him. To be like him and to do. For people forget the do part. And so behold, some men were bringing a bed, on a bed, a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles in the, into the midst before Jesus. So we have guys that were like contractors thinking we can put this back together. Is it good to have a couple of contractors as friends? So they begin to dismantle the roof because there's no way to get this guy on his bed. And it, look, he's got four of them, four people carrying this guy. He's paralyzed. He's paralyzed. I looked it up. Uh, I looked up the word there, paralo, and uh, it has to do with 
uh, palsy. It could be palsy. It could be it, it just it maybe one side or other side. But basically, it enfeebles you. It causes you, it causes the nerves of your muscles to relax, where they don't function. That's kind of the concept here. But I'm going to use it metaphorically as well, because I believe that he's a picture of some area in your life where you're paralyzed. Some area where you don't have it together and you need other people to carry you before Jesus. I believe every person has a blind spot, has a point of weakness, has a need that they can't pull off in themselves. But others that love them can carry them and get them before Jesus. Say a prayer life. See, so you've got some people that are praying for a person who's stuck. Stuck emotionally. Stuck in life. Paralyzed. Not being able to move forward. That's what the Lord put in my spirit. He says, I'm going to call your people to pray for those who are stuck and paralyzed and can't move forward. And get them before me. Bring them before me. Let's praise the Lord again. Hallelujah. So you can, because this is the powerful thing about this. It's in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, hallelujah, he saw their faith. The person that was paralyzed didn't have any faith, but he saw their faith. He sees your faith. He sees your faith. Let's, let's, let's get around the families where the family members are stuck, paralyzed. Let's pray and bring them, and the Lord will see your faith and bring healing to them. And now the next part, Jesus just blows all those Pharisees' minds. He just Now, by the way, this... In the book of Luke, it says, man, your sins are forgiven. In the book of Mark, chapter 2, it says, son. And there's an endearing quality to that word son because it doesn't have to be your actual son. It's like this, this affectionate term, son. Son, your sins are forgiven. And um, so this is the point. There's a couple of points in here, but this is amazing to me. So Jesus sees a person who's paralyzed and offers forgiveness. That person's not thinking about forgiveness. They're thinking about them being paralyzed. But Jesus goes deeper. In fact, they say, you know, the subconscious is about 95% and the conscious is about 5%. Like kind of like a iceberg. What's below the surface is what God's going to address. He's going to go to the root cause. He's going to get down to where the real dynamic is. I heard one praise the Lord up in here. And then when the scribes and the Pharisees begin to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus perceived their thoughts. And he says, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven you, or rise up and walk. 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. I want to tell you what Jesus didn't do. He didn't have the man explain what his sins were. He didn't bring more shame in the situation. The man knew what they were. He just helped him release it by offering forgiveness from on high. And I saw, I said, Lord, where are you in this picture? Where are you in this picture? And he says, you see me? You see me? Ready? Here you go. My blood released forgiveness. My body given made him whole physically. Let's, let's prepare our communion. We're going to receive communion. Hallelujah. So Jesus is standing there. The presence of the Lord is available to heal. And then He offers forgiveness to this man. Go ahead and we'll all partake and hold it until everybody has received. And everybody here who has faith in Christ is invited to take, take this little cracker. It's a symbol So Jesus says, so this is the part, the rise up and walk part. In your hand is the rise up and walk. I, th I think, it, listen, I think it's, uh, it was easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't see them being forgiven. On that side, it's easier. What's easier to say? My sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't see that. But I think it was harder to do Because all of his life blood was poured out on a cross. Usually it takes, what, seven days for somebody's blood to drain out on the cross. They just dare. That's why they break their legs to hurry it up. Jesus said, I'm going to give my blood. And his blood poured out so fast, he offered it. And it gushed for it. It gushed for it. It's still gushing. It's still working. I feel like the Lord's going to give us more physical healings this year. Get ready. More physical healings this year. In 2022. And immediately they rose and picked, and he, he rose before them and he picked up what he'd been lying on and went home and glorified God. And amazement seized all of them and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. I didn't put this up, but um, we talked about this Friday night. I'm going to read Philippians 3 12, 13, and 14. Paul says, not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on 
to make it my own because Jesus, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. How are you there? But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This one thing with two parts, you can't do the one thing without doing both parts. You have to forget. Now I know how gracious God is because there's some things that are tormenting and, and you can't let go of them. And he goes, well, let me come, in, come into that memory and I'll let you let go of the hurt that holds you to it. I'll heal you in the midst of that. Um, there was a confounding moment. I feel like you were getting out of the car and the shock came over you about what you perceive was happening. You were, uh, the Lord was there. He's there with you. That's why I just, the, the Lord's with you. Okay? I just want you to know that. He's with you. I felt like the, the moment the shock of what's occurred happened, the Lord was there. Let's just praise the Lord. The Lord was there. You weren't alone. He's there with you. And He's taking you by the hand and He's beginning to lead you. Don't back off. Don't back off of Him. But you're not. Hallelujah. So let's lift this before the Lord and praise Him. First of all, let's just praise Him that we rise up and walk because of His body given for us. Because of His body given for us. Now, you know, I just say stuff and then the Lord says, well, let me say this. There are places where you have felt defeated to rise up and walk and you're going to rise up and walk in those places. You won't be defeated anymore. Friday night, the Lord gave me a word. He said, a freedom. He says, I'm going to release a freedom. I'm going to give a freedom. There's a place where you need a specific freedom. And the Lord says, I'm going to release light from my eye. And it's going to go right to that chain and break that thing. And you're going to receive a freedom from the Lord, from him. A freedom is coming. And as we partake this together, we're doing it in faith. Because what Jesus has done for us breaks every yoke. Jesus says, let me take care of it. Let me take care of them. Let me do it. And you begin to grow in faith. And you begin to trust Him. And the faith injection begins to come inside of your heart because you begin to trust God in a way you haven't because, hey, the devil's really good at making you think it's all up to you. And we say, no, it's up to the Lord. Would you say that right now? It's up to the Lord. It's up to the Lord. This is our word on this bread. It's up to the Lord. He's going to do it. Let's partake together. It's up to Him. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I press on toward the goal of the prize, upward call, God in Christ Jesus. Let's partake of the, grab the cup. Thank you, Lord. Knowing the power of forgiveness. Knowing the power of it. I was praying with a lady in a church foyer in uh, Victorville, California. She had massive amount of bitterness toward her parents. I said, you want to forgive your parents? She says, I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I said, well, would you let Jesus do it through you? Could we try that? She says, well, I'll try that. 
I said, Jesus is a really good forgiver. So if you surrender your heart to let him do the forgiving, then it'll probably happen. She said, okay, let's go with that. I said, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I want to ask that you would flow your forgiveness through me. The moment she said that, the tears came. The healing power of the blood of Jesus Christ began to flow through her heart and release her from the embittered bondage that she had toward her mom and dad. She just melted. Just melted. That's how powerful Jesus' forgiveness is. You don't have to come up with it. You couldn't come up with loving anybody anyway unless you got something out of it. You and I don't come ready-made to be kingdom people. None of us. But Jesus knows how to forgive through you. Anybody want to open wide their heart today? We're going to partake. And we're going to let the love of Jesus Christ flood our hearts. And here's what he says to you. My love, just like the man that was paralyzed, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't bring him up. He didn't embarrass him. Say these words with me. Love covers a multitude of sins. And some of you have been like me. You have sins in your life that are like whack-a-mole. They keep popping up and you whack them and you keep popping up and whack them and say, I am so tired of my flesh. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to change what's under there. Let's go to the 95% down there. How many of you need forgiveness down in the subconscious of your life? Let's ask you to go deeper this time. Can we do that? Because this is, look, it, forgiveness is the starting point, but it's, it's a flow from the rest of your life. It's what the world needs. The one source of forgiveness in the entire universe is the, is the living God through the blood of Christ. No other religion, no other ideology, nobody's got this. Jesus has this. That's where it comes from. It's the source on the planet. You have it in your hand. This is where it comes from. Jesus poured out his blood to forgive all of your sins. Let's receive it right now. Say this with me. In the name of Jesus. I receive complete forgiveness. Sins I know of, sins I don't know of. I thank you, Lord, that you give me the power to renounce sin's powers. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the power of sin that has been crushed by the cross. I receive the forgiveness and I become a channel of it and I release it. Help me be a super spreader of forgiveness on the planet. In the name of Jesus. Everybody, let's stand together and just worship the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Would you just lift your chin before the Lord? Hallelujah. Lift up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. May He lift His countenance upon you and go with you wherever you go and be with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Love on each other. You're dismissed. Hallelujah.